Commerce Social split it out from his first company, iPlatform, back in 2012. Started with a $2.5 million round of capital. Has since raised $20 million, but more importantly, he's grown his team to over 100 folks. He's done it in a way where he's not burning loads of cash. Raised just again, 20 million bucks total, over $10 million in ARR. Focused on helping his 200 paying customers specifically do customer engagement and customer support on social media. 20% year over year revenue expansion, uh, really in an 18 month payout period. So healthy economic. This is the top where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you want to get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data uh, metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing, though. This that database... I keep it to myself, it's so freaking valuable. And to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage, I'm only letting 10 companies on each month. So we're full this month, but you can go to getlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month. And look, there's big people on the waiting list. I mean, the biggest VCs you've ever heard of. You've probably heard of them. They're big, private equity, billions and billions under management. So it's an impressive waiting list. Go get on now at getlatka.com. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Josh March. He's the founder and CEO of Convert Social, a customer engagement solution that helps businesses increase customer loyalty by enabling effortless, in-the-moment customer service through social and mobile channels. The largest global firms, including Google, Sprint, Hertz, and Hyatt Hotels, turn to his platform to deliver an amazing social-first customer service experience at a large scale. He previously founding, founded leading social application platform, iPlatform, one of the world's first preferred Facebook, sorry, Facebook preferred developers, which was acquired in 2012. Josh, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. Did we compete with each other back in your iPlatform days when I was building Heyo? Uh, so we were building Facebook apps for big brands. So um, professional we like services. Yeah, we were building competitions, promotions, marketing apps, working on brands like McDonald's, The Economist, to build, build Facebook apps for them at the time. But you were very much in the Buddy Media, Wildfire, Involver, Vitru, Tab kind of world, right? Yeah, correct. Very correct. cool. You sold in 2012, which was also the year most of them sold. Who'd you sell to? Uh, we sold to a, a, a large agency in the UK. You were already probably serving a bunch. They were a big customer, and it made sense. Yeah, it was. Well, it was. We were actually starting Conversocial at the time. Uh, Conversocial had got going, and we were kind of looking to move out of the agency world. We'd separate them off into into two businesses, um, and the agency was a big partner of ours, and and, and we you know, we were selling services to them, and it just made sense. Yeah, no, that makes good sense. Now, who did you, so you sold to them? And I mean, was this a soft kind of exit for you, or was it a big financial event where you could basically go on and take whatever risks you wanted? I mean, financially, how was the acquisition? It was it was medium. Okay. Um, it was a mix of cash and equity. Certainly, it was a good uh, it was a good exit for for the age I was at the time. And um, which was how was, old? Uh, in 2012, so I would have been like 26. Okay, yeah, that's good. So what what yeah. are you? Fast forward now, you're what 31? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Okay, tell us about Converse Social. So what's it do and what's your business model? How do you make money? Sure. So we're a, an enterprise SaaS product. And our software is used in the contact centers of 
really big consumer brands to deliver customer service through social media, through mobile messaging. So if you've rented a car from Hertz and you have a problem with that car, something, something's wrong or something's wrong with the billing, you know, you don't want to phone them and wait on hold while you're like traveling. Uh, you don't want to email them and wait like a week for a response. So what do you do today, right? You tweet at them, you send them a message on Facebook. Hundreds of people in their contact centers is just responding to these messages and, and, and resolving issues with their customers through these channels and software to do that. So our software, uh, completely invisible to the consumer, but behind the scenes, it's collecting all of these messages from all of the different channels. Uh, it's analyzing them, prioritizing them, routing them out and distributing them among potentially hundreds of agents who are online at the same time, providing all that workflow, and then also providing all the analytics and dashboards for, for managers to be, to be supervising and managing that team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what is the, I mean, have you bootstrapped this thing or have you self uh, or raised capital or what's the financing story? Yeah, we've raised capital. So we've raised about, uh, about $20 million of edge capital from a few different investors. Um, the primary investor is a company called Octopus Capital, uh, and then also Draper Esprit that was originally part of the DSJ network. Yep. Um, what did you, I mean, why did you just make the decision to go ahead and raise capital versus just bootstrapping this from the start? And by the way, the start, that was, you said 2012? So it, it originally was a kind of product that we were starting within iPlatform. Um, and we kind of had an interesting journey with it. Mid-2011, and I can go into that journey a little bit of how we got into it, but mid-2011, we decided to separate out Commerce Social into its own company outside of iPlatform, and that was when we raised, raised money for, for it for the first time. Got it. Uh, and you know, for us, we, uh, a number of factors went into that decision, but we really saw this as like, hey, uh, this is something where we need to move quickly. We need to invest very heavily into it from a product perspective. Uh, and you know, if we're going to build a product that's really enterprise grade and can deal, you know, that, that is sufficiently advanced that we can deal with customers like Google, um, you know, and like all the big enterprises we work with, we knew that we couldn't just kind of bootstrap that. What was uh, that first round size? The first round size was about two and a half million dollars. Okay. Okay. So I mean, it's fairly substantial. And that was a, a priced equity round or a, or a unpriced seed or note. It was a priced equity round. Priced and equity. We had the advantage that um, you know the initial funding for the company came from my platform. Right? It was oh, I built, see. It was kind of built as a product. So by the time we were separate the cap we tables, though, right? Well, so initially it was the same cap table, but then 2011, we actually did a legal separation of the businesses, um, put Commerce Social into its own entity and raised money. Yep. How much of that two and a half million came from iPlatform? Oh, so that was, that was all new money. Oh, it was all new money. Okay. Okay. Got it. So How we, did... probably, we, probably, we probably invested like half a million dollars of, of um, essentially our own money before then yeah. because the agency was fully bootstrapped. Yep. That makes sense. What did the, did you already have customers on Converse social that you upsold from your kind of Facebook apps business? Yes. Yeah, yeah we did. Okay. All yeah. right. So that was in 2012. So fast forward us to today. Uh, how many folks are at the company? Yeah. So we're a little bit under a hundred people. Okay. Um, you know, potentially we'll, we'll, we'll probably cross over the hundred in the next, in the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy the 100 person company as much as you enjoy the, you know, Josh in his basement knocking out version one? Yeah, you know, you enjoy them for very different things. 
yeah, obviously when it was, um, yeah, when there was like four or five of us, which I think was like the first team size when we separated out the company, um, yeah, I was really heavily involved in building the product still. Mm -hmm. you know, I was like designing mock-ups and wireframes and I was doing every sale and every customer had my mobile, mobile phone number. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, fast forward to now and it, it's very different, right? I have like really incredible people on my team who are like leading all the functions much better than I can. Mm -hmm. uh, and I get to learn from that. Um, I also get to like spend uh, really still a large amount of time actually now you know, with our customers, um, you know, with, with prospects, uh, doing more kind of thought leadership and PR, which is fun as well. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, you, you have to learn to lead in a very, very different way. Um, you have to learn how to, you know, manage the managers as opposed to managing direct contributors which and actually i think i'm, I'm probably slightly better at managing managers than, than coaching people um but you also have to like learn to be a much better communicator mm -hmm. right because the art of communication when you know, you're speaking to, to a team of 20 or 50 people or whatever it is and we're speaking to the whole company and you're standing up and kind of doing a talk and talking about the vision of the company it's very different than when there's just kind of five people working in a room Yeah, together. it's like, okay, listen, the site crashed. We're working all night until it's live. That's all the communication you need when the team's five yeah. people, right? Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Exactly. Okay, now you say you're serving the enterprise. Give me a sense of like how enterprise are we talking? And the best way to do that is really ACV. So, I mean, what's your what's your average contract size, would you say, on average? Yeah. So, so it ranges, right? So our biggest customer is around a million dollars a year. Yep. Um, so pretty, pretty chunky. Um, but then we have a kind of long tail down, so it's kind of power law curves. So we have a lot of customers at the um, kind of you know, 250K mark and then like a lot more customers at the 100K mark. Um, and it goes down to where we have like then a big base of customers at the kind of 50K-ish mark. Yep. Okay, so this is, I, I'm curious about this. That's a pretty, I mean, that's a fairly large spread, kind of 25K all the way up to one customer at a million. I mean, it, does that one customer, like, I mean, a lot of agencies I speak with, they lose one customer, they have to fire 20 people because they have 20% of their revenues reliant on one customer. Do you have that same, I mean, is that a worry or concern of yours? Um. Yeah, obviously, obviously that, that can always be a concern when you have big, big, really big customers. At the same time, we do have, like, I think a good spread at the kind of the chunky quarter of a million, you know, half, half a million size, which, um, you know, none, not, there isn't one of those clients which is going to be kind of life-threatening to the business mm -hmm. at all. But, um, you know, obviously adding one adds a real uh, chunky addition to the revenue. Um, and so, why, why are these guys choosing you over, you know, a sprinkler or, or a sprout, or I guess Hootsuite's definitely mid-market, not enterprise, but like, why, why are you winning these sales calls? Sure. So, you know, we are very, very focused on customer care and, you know, there are a lot of other social tools out there that really believe in this vision of trying to be an all-in-one social tool where they're saying, we'll do, uh, you know, social sales, social marketing, social listening, social care. From right from the very early days, our vision has always been that you know, social shouldn't sit as an island yep. it's, uh, you know, in one kind of team. Social needs to be really deeply integrated into each business unit. And that means deeply integrated into the contact center. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have 100 customer service agents or 200 or 300, some of our, some of our customers do have that many customers, that many agents just doing customer service through Facebook and Twitter, mm -hmm. like not even considering the rest of the contact center. You need a really advanced contact center tool, 
right? It's not a social media tool. You need a customer service tool. And yeah, so we've always really focused on bridging that gap between the kind of rapidly shifting worlds of social media and mobile messaging, but the needs of a large enterprise contact center when it comes so to plus CRM, to dashboard, yeah, to CRM. We build integrations into the other systems, um, and, and yeah, that's something we, we just go deeper and deeper and deeper and into every single every single product release mm-hmm. every single month. And really, like a company that's trying to do everything in the social space in a more light way will never be able to compete with us when it comes to customer care. Makes sense. How many customers are you serving today? We have about 250 clients. Today. Okay, got it. So yeah, very, very much high ARPU, low volume, high touch versus the opposite. Okay, so um, even when we look at the lower end of our, of our customer value, you know, the 50K customers or, or below, they still tend to be um, you know, really big brands who still require a lot of time and energy investment from us. Uh, and the reason the value is low is because they're still just starting to get into the social care space, but all of them have the potential to be above six figures. Uh, and actually, one of the, the strongest parts of our business financially has always been the amount of upsell. We yep. have it's a very strong retention and very strong upsell. So I want to ask about your kind of revenue expansion year over year here in a second, because I, I imagine you, you've, you've with 20 million raised and your team says you've really thought about that. Um, in terms of company size, though, I'm curious. So, I mean, if, if you have, you know, 200 customers and the lower, you know, almost all of them or the majority of them are paying over, over 50 grand a year. I mean, it's fair to say you guys have passed that magical kind of $10 million ARR mark. Is that accurate? Correct. Yeah, that's great. So, so year over year expansion revenue. So, two questions for you. One is, uh, do your does your logo churn and kind of your revenue churn do they match up or not because of the ARPU differences? And if they're different, what is the expansion revenue that you can pretty accurately predict year over year on an account? Yeah, so they are so they are different, um, and part of that is that when we started, we were kind of more doing more of a scattered small events as well as well as bigger clients. Uh, we when we first launched, we went freemium, and then we uh, kind of gradually got, went more and more enterprise. Um, and, and so what we found over time was that we were having higher logo churn as we were kind of churning off your smaller smaller companies. What is, uh, and what is high? Uh, like some years, we'd have maybe logo churn of kind of 20, 25%. Annually. Even though, even, yeah, even though the dollar churn may be more like 10%. Yep. Um, uh, but we always had really strong up dollar, dollar upsell of like 20, 30% plus. So if someone today uh, starts paying you hundred grand in first year ACV, can you pretty accurately predict that's going to turn into a $120,000 contract the year after? Correct. It's about 20% yeah. right now. Yeah. So gem- yeah, generally, historically, our uh, like net churn has been like 120. percent That's great. That's really good. I mean, no, 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 no wonder you're doing well. So, and a lot of companies too that are like at this stage. I think I've probably interviewed maybe about 70 that are kind of have raised as much at your revenue level. Usually, folks that are greater than 10 million in AR, they've raised a significant amount more of capital than what you have. So, I mean, are you guys? I imagine are probably close or way profitable. Uh, no, I wouldn't say we're profitable. No, we're still we're still burning, but but we've always been pretty conservative in our spending. Um, yeah, although based in America now, yeah, started started the company in London uh, and yeah, raised our initial funding from from UK investors, um, and we always had a yeah, probably a more conservative outlook in terms of how aggressive we were in spending money than than some of our. What would you uh, would you spend last month just on variable kind of paid marketing stuff? Uh, I, you know, 
it's one of the interesting things when you talk about um, kind of net, how much you spend and how much how much you put in. Because when you get to our, our size, um, things fluctuate pretty wildly month. On yeah, month. but I mean, am, am I talking a million bucks on Google and Facebook ads, or like ten grand or a yeah, hundred grand? Yeah, yeah. Uh, on Google and Facebook ads, I'm not sure. It's probably fifty. If I was going to bet. Yep. And then tell me, so, so before we get into the kind of the final part of the show, you seem like a pretty creative dude. You mentioned earlier, you were responsible for a lot of the wireframes and early designs. What's the weirdest thing you've done to acquire one of these enterprise customers? What's the weirdest thing I've done? Uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's that weird, but, uh, I've got on a lot of flights for like one, like I've, I've flown very, very far for a single meeting. You know, occasionally I do occasionally, uh, if it's a really important prospect, I will like occasionally do the whole like, "Hey, I'm in Seattle tomorrow. Are you around for a coffee?" And if now, they say yes, yeah, New York. Seattle. Do you tell them you're going out just for them, or do you say, "Oh, happen to be in Seattle tomorrow. Would love to get a coffee." No, it, it depends. Sometimes I do that. I just happen to be in Seattle yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because then if they if they're like, oh well, like glad you're around, like let's schedule. Then they cancel the morning of when you've already landed. You're like, dang, do I tell them I flew all the way out here just for them? I know it's it's always a hard call on that, right? Because on one hand, it sometimes it's good to say, hey, I came here really for you because you want to show that, that how important it is. Um, but it depends on on the nature of the relationship. That's right. And some, sometimes in a in a sales in a sales kind of relationship. You know, if you say like, hey, I'd love to arrange a meeting, then like it becomes like a bigger formal thing where someone has to like, someone then is like, well, do I really want to meet with like a potential yep. vendor at this stage? Whereas if you're like, oh, I'm like, I'm in town, next, I'm in town I'm next to your office. I'd love to just like grab an informal coffee. People are like, oh, sure. Yep. Yep. Totally. Okay. Last few questions. These will be quick. Hopefully. What are you yeah. spending to acquire customers? Um, so it really varies hugely. A lot of a lot of our uh, a lot of our sales are outbound, um, mm -hmm. right? So we don't have we do don't have fully weighted. So include the salaries of all your sales and marketing folks. Yeah, we we do we do we do calculate some of those. Um, it, it tends to vary pretty dramatically. Okay. Yeah, what, we, what we find with our big deals is that because because the deal size can vary. What about for a hundred thousand dollar contract first year? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll probably spend. Uh, kind of 100 to 150,000. Okay. So you're kind of optimizing for, you know, year to, you know, 12 to 16 to 18 month-ish payback period. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it fluctuates, but my kind of think around 18 months or under 18 months for the yep. types of deals we do and the deal size is, is appropriate. Yep. Okay, last question here before we wrap up with the easy ones, the famous five. Yeah. Um, if Sprinkler comes to you today, they just close their next round of funding and they say, hey, we'd love to buy the company for $100 million. Do you sell? Not Sprinkler. <laughs> uh oh i have to i mean i can't and i have to ask a follow-up question why you said specifically not to sprinkler so if salesforce offered the same price would you sell uh i mean it sounds a bit low but like it, it also there's so many factors that come into selling right we're, we're not looking to sell the company yeah for a start but um you know, we, we don't agree with sprinkler's vision right so take the money take the money aside you're speaking but, uh, were, were you referring to them earlier when they said they're kind of diluting their product mix yeah, I just you know, they, fundamentally they like they have this vision of like being a social all-in-one, and like fundamentally our vision is that going deep in customer care and actually being becoming probably more of a customer customer care all-in-one, and that's what we think is most valuable for consumers, for our customers, for the you know, for, for the whole ecosystem. So we just we just don't agree with their vision. So yep. it doesn't really matter how much money uh, they they offered us. 
it just wouldn't be it would, it would be kind of an antithesis to like everything we've been doing yep. for, for, since we started Okay, Top Tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, you came out of nowhere, your website's growing so fast, how'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator, I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator, and the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use, because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin, and guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan, you can sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. All right, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, so I think you know, for early stage entrepreneurs, especially in B2B space, I would say Four Steps to the Epiphany by Steve Blank. Yeah. I, I really used it as my like Bible while I was creating the company. I have it uh, laying around. It's funny because if you guys are watching on YouTube, you, you can see this, but my floor is just covered with books people send me because they want to be featured on the show. It's buried in here somewhere, but it's it's you wouldn't know that it is it talks about what it talks about because the cover is like the archangel, like yeah, the Sicilian yeah, yeah, yeah. chapel. <laughs> yeah. Reach out to God or yeah. 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 All right. Number two, uh, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Yeah. Um, not a current CEO, but, uh, Ben Horowitz, uh, yeah. The other, my like really like favorite business books is, is hard thing about hard things. Um, I think especially once you get to the stage where you have exec teams, and you're, you're managing a slightly larger company. Uh, it, it's a really incredible book. Um, and it's a real kind of in-depth insight of both you know, practical management steps and also practically dealing with your own emotions mm -hmm. uh, with the kind of stresses of running a business. And number three, besides your own, is there a favorite online tool you have, like Acuity Scheduling? Yeah, I always think about this a lot. I, I'm going to have to say Twitter. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, not just for customer service, but I mean, it's just, especially with all like the political crap that's going on at the moment, it's just like, it's it's hard to take your eyes off it. You think Dorsey will, will get the ship turned right and the stock price will, you know, get up above 20 again? You know, it's really hard to know, but I think they're doing a lot of really right things, you know, because of the partnership we have with them. You know, I know a lot of people there who I think are like really committed and are doing really amazing things from, from a business messaging space as well. Um, so I, I think they have all the right ingredients there. And I think they get, they get a hard time of it in the press. Should they ban Donald Trump? It's that's a hard one. That's a really hard one. I mean, they're the free, they're the free speech. There you go. All right. Free speech party, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Number number four. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, it depends on my travel schedule. I probably I I need about six and a half to seven hours sleep, and I'm like I try I try and aim for seven. Yeah, pretty average six. All right, and then the last set here. So you said you're 31 years old. What's your situation? Married, single? Do you have kids? Uh, I live with my girlfriend. Okay, so but no kids that you know of, right? No, no kids. No uh, kids yeah. <laughs> All right, very cool. Last question. Take us back 11 years, Josh. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, you know, I'm a really, I'm really interested in the whole field of like cognitive bias, and uh, I'm really, I think it's really, really important, especially as an entrepreneur, where you tend to be like super confident in yourself and your own abilities to be aware of how your own thinking can be biased um, and, and to be aware how it's like very easy to like drink your own Kool-Aid. Uh, and I think as like a 20 year old, I had that kind of arrogance of just kind of thinking that if I believed it or if I thought it, then it like, it must absolutely be true. 
Um, and I think like having the self-awareness to realize when just because I believe something, there could be lots of reasons and factors which are influencing my decision that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's correct. And the importance of like assessing that objectively and having active discussions and listening to different viewpoints and changing your mind, I think is so important, but it takes kind of experience and practice to do that. And so I, I try and kind of draw that into the head of my 20 year old self. Um, because I certainly needed those lessons. There you guys have it from Josh at Converse Social. Split it out from his first company, iPlatform, back in 2012. Started with a $2.5 million round of capital. Has since raised $20 million. But more importantly, he's grown his team to over 100 folks. He's done it in a way where he's not burning loads of cash. Raised just, again, $20 bucks total, over $10 million in ARR. Focused on helping his 200 paying customers specifically do customer engagement and customer support on social media. 20% year-over-year revenue expansion, uh, really, and, and an 18 month payback period. So healthy economics, Josh, thank you for taking us to the top.